0: What up guys? It's JP from the Double Double and I'm here with my co-host Ben. What's going on everybody? Welcome. And today we just have to cover some things that have happened in the last week and a half of basketball. It's been a little while since we've done a podcast. We've been focusing on our TikTok quite a bit at the Double Double Pod or just Double Double Pod on TikTok. Um definitely go check us out on there. We try to give you as much content as we can. But let's talk about the Lakers. Uh speaking of TikTok, I know you made a TikTok a few weeks ago saying the Lakers are down and out of it. Credit to ESPN for even bringing them up on their talk shows. They had an awesome win last night over Milwaukee. They scored 130 points. Anthony Davis looked like the best player in basketball. What are your feelings with the Lakers? And like, how impressed were you with that win over the Bucks last night?
1: That win over the Bucks was the best game I've seen from the Lakers so far um anthony davis i talked about it earlier today anthony davis has been incredible the plan when he came to the team was for him to eventually be the number one option um, and to be clearly the best player on the team and i think that's what we're seeing right now especially the last eight games uh his stats have been ridiculous they've been winning a lot i'm not over the moon about the lakers right now because their wins are against awful teams they beat the spurs three times and the pistons once um, the games that they played recently against the Bucks and the Blazers, very happy with. So, you know, there's, there's mixed feelings about it, but at least you're seeing a lot more heart right now than you were seeing in earlier in the season.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and that has to be credited to Russell Westbrook. Honestly, I know his play has been a little ups and downs. I know me and you actually credited him earlier in the season for the same thing, just bringing energy off the bench. He's continued to do that. He's made a team that seemed pretty down and out on themselves at the beginning of the season seem more confident and look like they're having more fun out there. And honestly, that matters. I think that's such an underrated part of basketball. Like, that's why if I was a GM, I would just get like Boban on my team, no matter what, just so he could lighten the mood through the slog of a season these players have to go through. And it seems like Russ is that guy for the Lakers, which... If you've known his media history, you would not expect him to be the guy to be bringing that type of energy uh, to the locker room. But I also want to pat myself on the back a little bit. Last podcast we did, we talked about Anthony Davis and how he had a four game stretch that was ridiculous. And I said it didn't matter what competition he was facing. This is real. And this is like ridiculous what he's doing. And he was the best player in basketball. He's continued that further. And I still think he's been the best player in basketball dating back till, I think it was like two weeks ago at this point that he started this ridiculous run. Um, I don't know if there's, Giannis is the only guy I'm taking over him right now. Like what Anthony Davis is doing is ridiculous.
1: He's been unbelievable. You know, the last eight games anyway, he's been the best player in basketball. Um, I still... You know, the averages are what's crazy. I still am not overly impressed when you put up 35 against the Spurs without Jakob Pirtle, but to put up 44 and 10 against the Bucks, against a team that actually matters, and to see him scoring the way he used to score in New Orleans, um, I, I saw a lot of mid-range pull-ups from him. I saw a lot of a comfortable deep shooting, and for the last two years or so, it feels like that's just been gone from his game. Um, so it's good to see that back, and with that back, he is a top 10 player. Who knows at this point about health?
0: He might um, be a top five player. I'm, if... I'm
1: not going crazy until he can play games.
0: That's uh, fair. That's you fair. know,
1: over an eight game stretch, he's been unbelievable, but it's a long season and who knows how much of the season he'll play. But, you know, if he's playing like this at the end of the season, he'll be a top three, top four player, arguably.
0: I think what's interesting with Anthony Davis and just how we're going to look back on his career, it's going to be similar to like Grant Hill. Grant Hill, when he came out of college, it was like this guy's gonna change your franchise forever. And even though he made like six All-Star games or whatever he made, he had knick-knack injuries for his entire career that kept him from reaching his absolute pinnacle. He was he still played 19 seasons in the league, but he was never the life-altering prospect he should have been. I think Anthony Davis is very similar. Like, I think he could have a few MVPs in his trophy case. I feel like he could have had a few defensive player of the years in his trophy case. But there's always these knickknack injuries. It's crazy to see what he can do when he's just healthy and right. And when he's like the number one guy on a team, because it's clear you made a TikTok about it. He has been empowered to be the number one guy on this team now. He is the best player on this team. And I think LeBron's totally cool with that. I, I've just been happy to watch them play this well. I'm very, I'm very happy about this.
1: There's been a mentality switch with Anthony Davis too. I think we've watched him in the past and I've compared him to DeAndre Ayton with this where you watch him and you know he's capable of putting up more points, taking more shots, being more aggressive. And for some reason, he just settles for like 24 when you know he could go out and get more. We're seeing him go out and get more. We're seeing him try his ass off and be, you're right, be comfortable with being the number one guy. Uh, I w- I just want to see it keep up. Through eight games, I've been nothing but impressed. This is one of the best eight-game stretches of the season, certainly. Uh, but I want to see it keep up. It would be awesome to see him play through a whole season. He's got MVP potential, but the Lakers just aren't going to be that good.
0: And something I want to talk about with this team as well is Russell Westbrook probably had his best game of the season last night. He had 15 points, seven rebounds, 11 assists off the bench with zero turnovers. And that's adding just the energy diving on the floor. Like, this is crazy to say that he, Russell Westbrook of all people is diving on the floor for loose balls and shit. Um, When it comes to trading those picks, they're usually attached to Russell Westbrook. If he continues to play this way, do you just keep him and trade the picks for shooters? Or do you, do you still say, Hey, like, we want to get him off the team because It's honestly no cost off the Lakers back because at the end of the season, his contract runs out anyway. So now it's just, is he a positive to your team? And I think the no-doubt answer is yes. Like, he's bringing a positive impact to this team all of a sudden.
1: The flip has been kind of crazy with that. With, you know, is Russell Westbrook now, like, an untradeable piece? Um, He's been awesome. I still... It's an interesting question. It's definitely worth asking. LeBron James is usually the dude who brings the leadership um, to teams. And it seems like Russell Westbrook has been the leader of like the locker room anyway. He's the one keeping guys happy. He's the one pumping everybody up. We haven't seen as much of that from LeBron this year. So if you're trading Russell Westbrook and you're trading those two picks, either LeBron James has to step up in a big way to be that locker room leader again, or you're just going to suffer a little bit on that end. Like the chemistry is just not gonna be there.
0: And also, I just think you're losing an asset at this point. Because the reason people wanted to get Russ off the Lakers is because he was a horrible fit and it wasn't working out. Well, now it's working out and now he has a defined role. He's coming off the bench, he's not even complaining about it. He's seemingly embraced it. I just I don't know. I view it a lot different than I used to. I I think keeping him on this team isn't the worst thing in the world. If you can You know, get shooters like I mentioned on this podcast a few weeks ago. I know we're going to keep bringing up these picks over and over again until they actually get moved. But Sadiq Bey and Bogdan Bogdanovich, if they get put on this team and you have Russ on off the bench. I don't know this team. I don't know. We have to wait till the trade deadline, but I'm more confident in Russ than I have been in his entire career, which is hilarious at this point.
1: I like the switch. It's definitely, it's cool to see the switch. Um, He has been impactful. He's not the reason the Lakers have lost so many games this year, but let's see them continue this play against better teams. Uh, Beating Portland, beating Milwaukee, especially is great. Milwaukee Bucks have always have looked like killers this year, Um, but let's see them continue this against good teams. But just on the picks end, it seems like they're unwilling to move both. That's been the conversation that's been had like all year. If you just move one, if you just take that twenty twenty seven first first-round pick, can you get it? Do you think you could get a guy like Buddy Heald or Bogdanovich or somebody of that level?
0: Maybe. Maybe. If you're willing to make it completely unprotected, maybe.
1: Yeah, because I think that's what it would take.
0: Yeah. And you brought up the schedule for the Lakers. They have Washington next, who's been more competitive than I think we both anticipated. Cleveland, (laughs) who's a dog. Toronto, they always play with uh, ferocity. Philly's been horrible. Detroit. So like these next three games should be interesting how they make, if they finish that next three games, like two and one, I think we're actually starting to see a little bit of a turnaround.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, that's what it'll take. And I, I just want to see the vibes stay positive. Um, I, you know, Russell Westbrook, if you've watched him on any team, you know, that's what he brings to teams. He tries a hundred percent every second he's on the floor. He wants to win more more than anybody else. Um, it's always been the decision-making and the turnovers and the poor shooting that people have discredited him for, but like, it's kind of obvious when you watch him play that of course he's going to be the leader of a team like this.
0: Yeah. I am very, very happy to see the Lakers at least be competitive. I think me and you were both really sad to see, you know, one of the all time greats we'll ever see be on a team that was maybe going to finish last in the West. Like Mm -hmm. that just felt wrong. Uh, so to see them get a really good win over Milwaukee and kind of string together some wins against some pretty poor competition, it's still better than what we were seeing at the beginning of the season.
1: I totally agree. Um, and we didn't talk about this on the pre-show, but I do want to pivot to this. Uh, when we see teams like the Lakers stepping up a little bit, we see the Warriors climbing up in the standings. There's only so many teams that are going to make the playoffs in the play-in in the West. Um, Dallas has been struggling pretty heavily this year. You have said a lot about how little you like the play style that they play. Is there any reality where the Dallas Mavericks decide this year we're just gonna tank like it is in our year. Let's go get a, t- a high draft pick
0: i don't I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think you can as long as you have Luca on your team. uh but they're bad. They're a bad team, and We've talked a lot about this on TikTok and just through our text threads, but like the play style is a choice. It's a choice. I will stand by that until the day I die. It's a choice. You don't have to play that way. Are the players around Luka less talented than him? Obviously. Does he need to have 93% of his basket scored be unassisted? No he I just it's just gotten a little ridiculous. I never tune into Dallas. I don't plan on watching Dallas. Um, It's not exciting. This is just the Houston Rockets with James Harden all over again. That's all it is. So it's just history repeating itself. And I don't really feel like uh contributing to their their uh, eyeballs watching that.
1: They are, you know, an average team right now. Their offensive rating is 11th. Their defensive rating is 13th. The net rating is 10th. Um, that is all very, very slightly above average, which is kind of what it feels like when you watch this team. Uh, they're definitely not a terrible team. It would take effort to tank, uh, but they need something. I don't know. Picking up Kemba Walker is nothing. Um, he's not going to be a big contributor to this team. I think, you know, we texted about this, but Jaden Hardy, he was a late, late draft pick and he's a dude who has a lot of potential. He could eventually be a contributor to the team this year, but I you know I don't know what their hopes are for this season. I don't know what they're trying to be. They've just lost talent, and I don't know. I don't know. Is Jason Kidd all that good?
0: I don't know. Um, I think what we saw last year and the improvement on defense from the team is, lets us know Jason Kidd is an above-average head coach. That's mm-hmm. That's my feeling. But at the same time, allowing the system to just get worse and worse, less ball movement. That kind of says to me he doesn't believe in his team very much and he doesn't want to try anything new. And I think one of the great things about head coaching is you, the ability to try new things. I know for the Cavs, just how closely I've been watching them, they've they've had like 10 different starting lineups this year. Um, They just continue to try things. And yes, injuries have played into that, but the, they're also pulling up guys from the G League and putting them into the starting lineups over guys who have been there for three weeks, right? right. So it's like there's a certain level of like experimentation that you need as a head coach that I don't think maybe Jason Kidd has. Yeah. Because for me, Jaden Hart, uh, that's his name, right? Jaden Hardy, Hardy. Yes. Yeah. He should have played the night he got pulled up. Just he put sounds- him out there. Yeah. Just put him out there. He's averaging 29 points per game in the G League on very good efficiency. Mm-hmm. Just see if he can do something like he's a dude who can create for himself. And when you're a team that needs creators,
1: you should give a guy like that a try. I know he's a rookie who is like a second round pick. Um, and your hopes aren't crazy high, but you got to try it. The Mavs are really bad in a lot of different scenarios here and a lot of different stats. They're dead last in two pointers made. Uh, they're dead last in defensive rebounding. They're second to last in assists per game. Um, it's It's not a very fun game to watch. I felt that way as well watching James Harden. It's impressive. It's cool when you see put up a 40 point triple double or whatever. But at a certain point, it's like, yeah, when you dribble the ball more than anybody else in basketball, you should be putting up a lot of counting stats.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, like when you start hearing these stats, like the like least two pointers made in the league, all you have to do is think for a second and it makes complete sense. The only person getting to the basket is Luca because all four of the players around him are standing at the perimeter all game long. Yeah, Like, it, it makes sense when you hear these weird stats. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, because they just stand in the corner for 24 seconds. No shit they're going to be last in the league in two-pointers made. So, yeah, just not a team I'm interested in. Honestly, Luca, like, for him to be on top of the MVP ladder, according to certain websites, is so ridiculous to me. Uh, I, I don't know what universe he deserves to be better than Jason Tatum, Giannis, even Anthony Davis at this point. Like, but why he has the same track record as Luca, your team sucks, and you're incredible. So like, why aren't they on a similar playing field? Um, yeah, I don't know, not a fan.
1: It's tough, because, you know, when you look at an advanced stat, any advanced stat is going to talk about Luca is going to describe Luca as a very, very impactful player. And it's because the ball's in his hands at all times. So there's always some context you got to add to stats like that. Um, but yeah, I was just, it's interesting to see, Could they decide in a month or two, we're still about 500 teams are passing us. Maybe it's time we
0: rest up Luka for the season. We'll see. To talk about a team that they beat in the the playoffs last year, the Suns, I want to give them a little credit because me and you never speak about them. And we don't have to because they're one of the most well-oiled machines in the entire league. And they really are the Celtics of the West. They have a defensive scheme that they play every single night, and they have an offensive scheme that they play every night and it just churns out wins at a ridiculous rate. Um and they deserve a lot of credit. I think Devin Booker what he's done this year has gone super under the radar. Uh he's scoring 30 points per game on 50 40 87. That'll work. Um yeah. and also Chris Paul's been out for like 3 weeks and no one really cares because Devin Booker has been playing the point guard and he's been doing it very well. Um And campaign stepped up like this team's just a unit. And DeAndre Ayton's played the best two weeks of basketball he's ever played. Me and you came on this podcast just last week and called him one of the softest big men in the league. He's actually playing like he's seven foot, 250 pounds. Now he's banging down low. He's killing people on the boards. He's 16.6 points per game, 9.7 rebounds. He's shooting above 60% from the floor. Like, that's what we've always expected from him. And we know he has nice touch from the free throw line as well. He used to be allergic to free throws, never really get contact. And now he's banging dudes down low. Like, I've, I've been very impressed. I just love the consistency from this team. I know this is a bad day to talk about it because they lost to the Rockets last night. But just in general, the way this team just keeps churning out wins, I think I think it needs to be talked about today.
1: Yeah, for the most part, they have been incredibly impressive. I don't know what to make of the Houston Rockets game. That just happens sometimes. The guys in the Rockets turned up. Jalen Green had 30. But Devin Booker the other day put up 51 points in three quarters. He's unbelievable. The stats have been crazy. I don't I, – I you might be alone in the camp of is Donovan Mitchell uh, equal to Devin Booker right now. I'm not sure what the answer is. Uh, feels like it's Devin Booker, but he's given a bigger role on this team. Um, I know you watch a lot more Donovan Mitchell than I do. So who knows? But just the the stats are incredible. The field goal percentage is incredible. It's cool to see this team work as a unit. Well, uh, what's his name? Monty Williams is an excellent coach. I had some doubts when he was shitting on DeAndre Ayton or just, you know, being passive aggressive to DeAndre Ayton uh, at the offseason. But I think I was blaming Monty Williams for something that's probably DeAndre Ayton's fault and seeing him locked in and engaged and being great this year, it's it's cool, man. It's what I wanted to see.
0: Yeah, and I just did a little check on basketball reference. Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker, their stats are almost identical. It's actually pretty funny, so go check that out. I think they are. They really are on even footing, those two guys, but I think Devin Booker's meant more to his team this year because of the absence of Chris Paul. Like if If Mitchell's having an off night, it doesn't matter because garland and mobley can kind of pick up the slack for me for booker it really is like i'm the guy i'm the guy that this whole entire offense runs through and if i'm having a bad night things become a lot harder for us um so yeah i i've just been impressed and yeah the monty williams thing like he is one of the best coaches in the nba i think he's just a figurehead of that organization i feel like he's such a like He's just a cool dude. I remember after they lost to the Bucs in the finals, like he went into the Bucs locker room and just like thanked them for the challenge. I was like, mm-hmm. what the, I've never seen that type of like humility in my life. Um, but I just think that's a good guy to have at the top of your organization personally. I'm surprised the stats are so close with Mitchell and Booker. Yeah. Um,
1: I, You know, it's it's definitely a fair conversation. I do think Booker means more to his team, but Donovan Mitchell shooting 44% from three. So on nine attempts. So, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to both guys, both guys. Um, uh, Williams a, is
0: awesome. Just a quick drop. Donovan Mitchell went seven for nine from three last night. He is a freakazoid. He's he is. A, the only player that hit, has hit more threes than him this year is Steph. He, he's on a tear. He is unbelievable.
1: Yeah. So I, maybe I was totally off with that, uh, but Monty Williams could get another coach of the year. I think at this point, the way the Celtics are playing, it's got to be Joe Missoula because he's a first-time head coach. Yeah. Uh, but Monty Williams is just that guy as a coach. He's he's. It's so impossible to make a top three list of coaches in the NBA. Um, I have no idea who I would put at my top three. Nick Nurse belongs up there. Monty Williams yeah. belongs up there. Spolstra. Um, Steve Kerr. Yeah, that's four guys already. There's so many names. Uh, but it's it's just kind of cool to be in that era right now where there's so many talented coaches.
0: Yeah, me and you did a little exercise in the summer where we made a list of good head coaches and there was 15. That's half the league has a decent to above average head coach. That's really cool that we can like confidently say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to shout the Suns out a little bit for just their continued dominance. Like I said, there's not a whole bunch to say with them just because they're so vanilla and they just win all the time. But I think it's worth mentioning um, a guy that we need to talk about is Zion, though. Zion's been an absolute unit the last few games. Uh, back-to-back 30-point games on above 60% from the floor. Also double-digit rebounding games and had uh, a good amount of assists as well. They're letting him ball handle more, which is a complaint both you and I had. So what do you what do you think about his recent performance? I have
1: loved it, man. I have been saying all season, let's just keep upping Zion's usage. Let's just keep giving him the ball more. Keep letting him play more. It's been easy uh, with Brandon Ingram missing games for Zion to just have no trouble being the man taking all the shots. But I mean, even against the Spurs, he only took 14 shots, got 30 points on 14 shots. Um, He was excellent from the free throw line, which is something you don't see all the time. He's awesome, man. Uh, Four offensive rebounds in that game. We've talked about it. If you watch him, you see it. But he, his field goal percentage is a bit of a lie because he'll go up for a layup and then while he's up in the air, he'll get his own rebound off a miss and put it back. So it's really just one shot attempt, one long shot attempt. Yeah, um, I love it, man. I'm really loving what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, he. it's so strange because it makes me question, is the fit with him and Brandon Ingram good? We both know they're great players, but when you see him doing this type of shit, It's like something does seem clunky about it. There's something that might not be right between that pairing because Zion just goes out and does this shit all by himself. And you kind of wonder like, why does Brandon Ingram have more ball handling duties than Zion does? Or why does he average more shots per game than Zion does? It's a weird balance. They'll have to figure out at some point because, you know, Brandon Ingram was a great prospect in school, but he wasn't being touted as, you know, this is one of the most unique basketball players we've ever seen, like Zion. Yeah. So, like, there's got to be some level of consistency moving forward with who's getting these shots and who's handling the ball.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting, man. I still think they both deserve a solid chunk of the uh, the ball handling efforts. Brandon Ingram is still great. He's, yeah. ne- he's just, he's a mid-range killer, but his passes are excellent. He is one of the better forward passers in basketball. Yeah. Um, I, if anything, think just CJ's usage needs to be turned down. Even yeah, Uh, it's good that we're seeing Zion being the guy with the ball in his hands a lot. I think that needs to continue. But when BI comes back, I think you can kind of just stagger their minutes and have both of them be the man with you know four bench units, four bench guys around them.
0: Yeah, and that could that could actually just be the answer I'm looking for, right? Where it's like you know CJ McCollum clearly the worst player out of those three there it's not really even a question yeah maybe he's the guy where it's like dude you really are just gonna hit open shots pass the ball to these two guys and then if we're running out on the shot clock you can go cook for yourself and try to get us a tough bucket but other than that like let our best players do the work for you
1: yeah yeah that's that's the perfect plan um I don't think they have a problem. I don't think they have a need to worry at all. They're 14 and eight right now. They're the third seed in the West, right? Um, It's not like things are going wrong. Um, I wanted them to be a four seed this year. I thought they were going to be a home court advantage team kind of looks like they're going to hold on to that health is the biggest factor here. If Zion's able to play 65 ish games, I think it's almost a guarantee that they hold on to the top four seed.
0: Yeah, he's too good to let the team lose, honestly. That's what it is. Like, what he's doing right now kind of just shows you what he was being touted for out of college. Like, the second he touches the ball, he gets double teamed and then finds someone wide open for three. And that formula is going to work every single time. If people are taking threes with 12 feet of space, they're going to go in. Um. So, yeah, it's not like a huge worry. I would just – it's so weird. Whenever I watch them, it feels clunkier than it should. And then last night I watched Zion and – you know, he's free flowing and it just feels easy. So it's something to look forward to. But you called it, man. You thought the Pelicans were going to be great this year. They definitely are very, very good. I think they're a lock as a top four seed uh, pending injury, like you said, obviously. But yeah, their formula, their coach, I know me and you both like Willie Green a lot. Um, And I think Zion's only getting better. So yeah, the Pelicans have been nasty and so has Zion.
1: They're an underrated deep team. Trey Murphy in his second year, he has been an awesome three and D guy. Uh, Everybody knows Herb Jones is a killer defensively. Larry Nance Jr. and Jose Alvarado off the bench are really, really effective. Uh, They have an underrated depth. Dyson Daniels, I've loved. I I knew he was going to be good. We both did. He is a great defender. He's got a great mind for basketball. He's been awesome. They have crazy underrated depth on this team. It's not really a surprise that everything's clicking right now um and it's you know you're right it does seem clunky at moments everything's clicking they're the third seed in the west and it still feels like there's a ceiling that they haven't reached yet
0: that's maybe that's what I'm feeling maybe it feels like there's even a glass like a ceiling they can break through yeah coming up here like if some if it all comes together um like I think Jose Alvarado's awesome like he should be getting more minutes I think like you're right. They're so deep. I think that's a part of why it's weird for them to kind of find something concrete because they have so much talent. Yeah. And It's it's almost like too much.
1: Yeah. They still uh, got is... to experiment and figure out who deserves all the minutes. I will say Zion's defense the past four or five ish games has been well improved. The effort has been there. You're seeing him on closeouts, jump out to try to block shots. You're seeing him put in more defensive effort. He jokes about it in the pressers all the time, which is kind of funny, um, but it seems like he's aware of it and he's working on it.
0: Yeah, and dude, <laughs> that's what's going to make him like a top five player in the league. Yeah. Where if he can be what he is on offense and then be an above average defender as well, that's what changes his life forever and makes him like one of the all time greats. Uh, because in school at Duke, he was an awesome defender and he hasn't been that since he's been in the NBA. But in the last four or five games, since they've kind of been calling him out in the media, and he's made those jokes, he's actually performed very well. So hopefully he can keep this up.
1: Yeah, he's a ridiculous athlete. He's got the quickness to be a good defender, and he's got the athleticism, obviously. Um, I want to see it continue. We'll see, but the Pelicans are just killing it right now. Um, I want to pivot to the Jazz and just give an update on where they've been right now. Um, Two weeks ago at this point, they were the number one seed in the Western Conference, something like 12-3. and Uh, They were unbelievable. And then they went on a ridiculous losing streak. And I'm still not entirely sure where I'm at with this team. I think they're going to fight for a playoff spot. I I don't think they're bottoming out anytime soon. Uh, But the losing streak was hard to watch. And it's because their defense is poor. They give up more two-point shots than any other team in the league. They They allow more offensive rebounds than almost any other team in the league. It's it's the defense is always going to be bad, but the offense is still clicking.
0: Yeah. And they're a great offensive team. I don't think that's going to change. That's why I still kind of have faith in them because the shots they get are so wide open and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but whenever I watch them, no one's near these guys when they're shooting their threes, like they're all wide open, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that only gets better when Mike Conley comes back from injury because, you know, he's a great table setter, as you've mentioned on TikTok, and he himself can hit threes at an insane clip. So that only improves that. What they need to focus on is the defense. And for my, you know, for my two bucks, I think they should be starting Walker Kessler. I think you take away some shooting by losing Kelly Olenek in the starting lineup, but you add just a rim deterrence. That's very, very good. And I that's kind of clogs your weakness a little bit. Um. It's funny. I was listening to a podcast the other day where they compared Walker Kessler's rook, uh, block percentage to rookie Rudy Gobert's block percentage, and he has a higher block percentage as a rookie. So it's just he is a great rim defender right now. I don't understand why they're wasting time. Just use him as a big plotting big man that can swap shots away from the rim.
1: He's good at getting offensive rebounds too. He's fourteen. He's got a fourteen point four percent offensive rebounding percentage, and that's pretty good. Um, he is just you know stuck in drop coverage at all times. If you're trying to do anything different defensively, you can't have him on the floor. Um, right now, I think he's ninth in total minutes per game among the Utah Jazz. There's a guy who's been kind of underrated as well. Rudy Gay is has missed a couple of weeks, and for whatever reason, the team is 16 points better per 100 possessions with him on the floor. Mm. Um, unbelievable. He's a big body. He's good at shooting from anywhere on the floor. They play him at power forward a lot. I really don't know what the key is for this team, but starting Walker Kessler would be a good start. They just need more legitimate centers. I don't think you can get away with Kelly Olynyk at the five.
0: No. And I think, you know, for Walker Kessler to be 11th in the league in blocks per game at 1.6, only averaging 15 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that tells you something. Let this kid play like 28 minutes a night. Like it's going to work out for you. And You know, you brought up how like putting him on the floor keeps them trapped into drop coverage. That's completely true. But at the same time, it's better than what they're doing Mm -hmm. Um, because they're just like you said, they're giving up two point shots at too high of a rate to really keep up with offensively, even though they're like one of the five best offenses in the league. um, You you can't live that way. You can't win basketball games that way. So if Walker Kessler is going to protect the rim at a rate that helps slow that down, you got to try it. I think you're right. Yeah.
1: Part of their offensive greatness comes from the fact that they put out five guys that can shoot from anywhere on the floor and that are all pretty mobile. So you do have to change your offensive scheme a little bit when you bring in a guy like Walker Kessler, but you know, it's not like there's an unknown strategy on how to make that work. We see it in the NBA all the time, non-mobile big men. We see that working. It's it's pretty easy to believe that the jazz could still be a top five offense with Walker Kessler consistently playing a lot of minutes.
0: It would just be a little more clunky. That's yeah. all it is. Similar to what we're seeing in Minnesota with Anthony Edwards, kind of being annoyed that Rudy Gobert's is always in the paint. That would be Laurie Markkinen because Laurie mm. Markkinen's gotten free lanes to the rim all year long. And that would be clogged up a little bit, making his life a little bit harder, but you know, you need to play some defense. You can't win with the 29th like defense in the league. You just can't do it.
1: You're right. So I want to bring back a question that we've asked a couple of times uh, through this season if you are an owner of the Utah Jazz, if you're someone who helps decide the direction they move in and you see that this team is falling to about a five hundred pace, um what do you do? Do you decide to tank? Do you say this is a really talented squad? Let's see if we can make a first round appearance. What do you do?
0: i I really don't know. I f- still feel like they're too good. Like even if they absolutely bottom out, they're not they're not as bad as Houston, San Antonio. Detroit Orlando or Charlotte so at at the very least they're the sixth worst team in the league are those odds worth tanking for and selling off assets and shit like that I don't know like to me that doesn't feel like a guarantee enough to kind of just blow up something that has showed some potential um if they end up playing in the play-in they have a like a puncher's chance to get out of there just because of how like high powered their offense is I wouldn't tinker with it, I don't think. Even though Wemby and Scoot are so tantalizing, I just feel like, you know, they're in a unique spot right now where they can, you know, they just got like 10 first-round picks in the off-season and they can still compete. I, I wouldn't mess around with it.
1: I think that's a fine, um, honestly, I think that's a fine way to go about looking at it. The Utah Jazz are still a talented team. I go and look at the advanced stats sometimes, and Laurie Markkinen is one of the leaders in points per touch just across the NBA. In terms of anybody playing significant minutes right now, he's second to Lonnie Walker, and that's it. Um, And they're incredible points per touch. It's been really, really cool watching him shoot and be the best version of himself. I agree this is still too talented of a team to blow up. If they decided to lose, if they decided, you know, uh, we're just never going to play centers and we're just going to get bullied in the paint game after game, they are still talented enough to eke out wins. Um, they're never going to reach the Spurs level or the Rockets or OKC, Charlotte, Detroit, Orlando. Those teams are in a special tier in terms of terrible talent. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, maybe it's fine to just keep pushing for a playing spot or like, you know, hold that 7-8 seed.
0: Yeah. And you just brought up the Spurs who I wanted to talk about that started off the season six and seven were playing way better than we ever thought they could have. Me and you both said heading into the season, this is the least watchable team. This is the least talented team in the entire league. They are proving us right. Uh, Kelvin Johnson has fallen off a cliff. Um, I was really impressed with him to start the season. He is not that guy anymore for whatever reason. Devin Vassell is a real player. And I think that's fun for San Antonio fans. And I think, you know, Sochan is always going to be a good player. It's just, that's what it is. He's going to be a good player. If he ever can hit league average from three point range, he is going to be a valuable piece on an NBA championship team. But other than that, this team has no one exciting and no one good at basketball. This team is absolutely horrible. And I think, you know, we're seeing them going to, they're probably going to end up being the worst team in the league because Orlando, Orlando has the talent to win games. They just don't do it san antonio has nothing going for them
1: yeah they're not very watchable they're not very entertaining devin vassell is great but even he's not like some showstopper that you tune in to watch um we were right that they are one of the worst teams one of the least talented rosters in basketball if not the least talented their offensive rating and defensive rating are both second to last in the nba after the start that they had um, after the assists that they had, the assist numbers that they had early, they're still second in the league in assists, but that doesn't always mean you're going to be a great team. Yeah. Um, They're not watchable at all. I hope it works out for them, man. It's it's The more we talk about the tanking teams, the more I think about how worth it is a 14% chance. If you're the Spurs, you don't have a choice. There was no universe where you were going to compete this year, no. um, so it's fine. But if you end up with the fourth pick, you know, it's just a waste
0: of a year. Yeah, it. that's what people don't understand, I think, about the tanking thing. You're You're still a fan. You still have to watch these games. If you're watching your team get beat by 34 every single night just to get, like, an above-average role player with the sixth pick in the draft, like, are you pumped that you just had to wait a year for that guy? No, you have a 14% chance to actually get a guy that will change your franchise. This isn't a guarantee... Hey we're going to suck and then we're going to be great. That's not right. it's not linear like that. Ask the Kings. Right? So right. yeah, I if you're a Spurs fan like you said Ben, they didn't have a choice. So you you kind of just got to live through it, but for the team's deciding, hey, like we're really going to suck. That's what you have to weigh. Yeah,
1: honestly, the Spurs had no other option. You'd rather this than for Popovich to try to be like coach of the year and to coach this team into like a sneaky 10 seed for some reason. Uh, Like there would be no goal. There would be no point in doing that. So it's good that you're just like, you know what? We're going to be as ass as we can possibly be. Uh, The last time they won a game was November 11th. So it's been a little while. This team's just going to keep stringing together losses.
0: Yeah, and sneaky underrated part about the San Antonio Spurs offseason when they traded away DeJounte Murray, they got three unprotected picks from the Hawks. I think that's a pretty good deal for the Spurs. I think I've kind of viewed the Hawks as underwhelming so far. Um, They're 13-10. and I don't really categorize that as like a world beater. I think there's a lot of teams below them that could pass them, like Indiana, they could pass them. Brooklyn getting better. Toronto's been unhealthy all year long. They could easily pass them. Miami's still figuring things out, excuse me, obviously Philly when they get James Harden and Tyrese Maxey back, so it's like, these aren't going to be like the 27th pick in the first round, like they should be like anywhere from 15 to 20, and I think, you know, to give you another shot at the apple, I think that's, you know, that's an underrated part of the Spurs rebuild coming up.
1: Even late first round picks have guys that you know are going to be successes. Every year we see guys picked in the late 20s who are juniors in college, who are rock solid role players, and that's all they're drafted for. Um, And every rebuild needs those guys. So even if the Hawks are incredible and you get the 25th pick, you could still most likely draft a reliable role player. And I mean, that just helps. Um, The Atlanta thing is interesting. Trey Young is fifth in the NBA in usage percentage right now, and I really thought his touches were going to go down with DeJounte Murray being brought onto the team, but it absolutely hasn't happened. But they're still fourth in the East right now, so there's really no reason to panic. They're still, you know, they're tweaking things. Things are going to improve.
0: I don't really know how I feel about them. If I'm a Hawks fan, I would be panicking. Um, 13-10 and isn't horrible. DeJounte Murray's been very good. A.J. Griffin's been a, honestly, like a wild success. Like the fact that me and you, I texted you that night when the Cavs drafted Ochai Baji. Fuck, we could have gotten Griffin. Um, He's been really good for them, but they are last in the league in threes. Only like the Lakers are their own thing. They're the worst in the league at 30th. But other than the Lakers, they're 29th. Yeah. That's weird for a team that has Trey Young on it, that has A.J. Griffin on it. And we know in this league to win a lot of games and to win playoff series, you need to be able to hit threes and they can't do it for whatever reason. They cannot hit threes. They just don't have the guys anymore. They lost Kevin Herter and they lost Gallo. And those were the guys that were chucking up the threes for them. So if I'm a Hawks fan, I'm concerned.
1: I I mean, honestly, there's reasons why you could go either way. Um, They've beaten the Bucs twice and there's always, you know, you got to be happy about that. They're number one in the NBA and two pointers made. So they're getting to the basket really well. Yeah. Um, The whole strategy has changed. There's this used to be a three point chucking team. It isn't right now. Um, Who knows, man? It's it is. It is just weird. The stats that they have.
0: I just checked. So they are second to last in the league and three points made. Yeah. Their three point percentage is third worst. Yeah. So not only are they like not taking a lot, like when they do take them, it's at a horrible percentage. Yeah that is not a winning formula in today's league. Like we see the top teams just can threes at a ridiculous rate. We're seeing it now with the Celtics, right? What a, a historic offense. And it's because half of their shots are threes and they hit half the threes they take. Mm-hmm. Like that's what leads to blowout victories. That's what leads to like a successful offense. I don't view this team as like a real challenger to the top three seeds in the East. Like I think the Cavs would smoke them. I think the Bucks would smoke them. And I think the Celtics would wax them. I think if you're a Hawks fan and you bring on a second all-star in DeJounte Murray, you're expecting a little bit more success than you have have had up until this point of the season.
1: I think that's a fair way to look at it, honestly, but they are limiting teams to the third worst three-point shooting in the NBA right now. So their defense is working. If you're a team like the Celtics that lives off threes, that would actually be a really interesting matchup to see how this version of the Hawks plays them. Uh, Because when you've got DeJounte Murray and DeAndre Hunter and John Collins all on the floor at the same time, those are a lot of guys who can run people off the three-point line pretty effectively. Uh, So there's no questions that the defense has been working out great. The offense is still clunky. They're still below average. I'm interested to see how it changes in the future. But you're right, like the three-point shooting is terrible right now.
0: And just one more nugget about the Hawks. They're trying to trade John Collins again, and they've been doing it for three years, and no one has bit. They signed him to this massive extension, which I liked at the time, and I still think John Collins is a really good player, but it's clear he doesn't belong on this team. Like, like he wants a higher usage. You should send him somewhere that he can get a higher usage, but the Hawks never agree on the price. They're, mm-hmm. They they want to trade him, but they're unwilling to, like, not get a King's ransom for him. He's not that caliber of player. Like, right. they got to ship him eventually for something.
1: Right. And the longer you leave him on the trade market, the less is the less value he has. Yes. Um, And the more he's going to be upset and not as, you know, cheerful about playing for you. It's the Miles Turner thing when we when they put him on the trade block every single year. It's like, why would you want to play for that team?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand it. And he's having his worst season of his career, basically. And it's because he just doesn't touch the ball. So, yeah. Hawks, weird team. If you're a Hawks fan, I would be be careful getting your hopes up. Another team that should be worried about getting their hopes up, the the Chicago Bills. (laughs) Chicago Bills. The Chicago Bulls. Sorry, (laughs) Buffalo Bills on the brain. Um, They are ass, period. Like, they are just cheeks. They suck at poops. Uh, Lonzo Ball is nowhere close to being healthy. I saw a report. That's horrible news for them. I think at this point, I've seen some chatter from Bill Simmons and from some other podcasts of, like, Zach like Zach Lowe brought it up or do you just blow it up if you're the Bulls and honestly I think you do I've hated Vooch since he got there I've never believed in this team because Vooch is the backline defender and it's still causing issues for them DeMar DeRozan is a killer but he's a mid-range killer in today's game you want guys who can shoot threes I think he's such a unique player because he's so good but he's so good at a thing that's not super valuable um, so I don't really know. I don't know if I'm a Bulls fan or if I'm AK, the GM there, I, I think I try to blow things up, honestly. And Zach Levine's been underwhelming as all hell too. Like you just, what, where did he go?
1: Zach Levine had some injury issues and then he came yeah. back just looking passive um, and not really hitting shots very well. When you look at their team payroll, it's interesting. Vucevic is done after this year. Kobe White is done after this year. Uh, Kobe White, who knows how much money he's worth? I'm really not sure how much you would even, how much other teams are even going to offer him. What kind of market does he have? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but Vucevic getting paid 22 million a year this year, I don't know what situation is really, you know, I want Nikola Vucevic. I don't know what team out there is saying that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you do with him, but I think keeping Demar and Levine on the books is a good thing. I think if you blow it up this year you've still got time to tank and get to the bottom of those standings. And I think they can do it pretty effectively. Um, I, I still think there's a talented team under here. Lonzo Ball is just glass bones and paper skin. And maybe it's just, um, I think eventually he could play basketball again. Um, but, <laughs> you know, that may be a stupid thing to think. But when you when you watch this team, when they were healthy, Lonzo, Caruso, Levine, DeRozan, and all on the floor together, the offense was perfect and the defense yeah.
0: was sick. Yeah, they flew around the court and the point of attack defense was ridiculous. Yeah, Uh, Caruso and Lonzo were literally all defense caliber players when they were healthy together. Mm -hmm. And then it just ended very quickly. And with the Lonzo thing, it's funny you said that like maybe one day he'll play basketball again. I have this new philosophy and it was created because I'm a fan of Kawhi. I'm just pretending Kawhi's retired. Uh, his career his career's over i'll never get to see him again and i i'm happy with what i got to watch from him as alonzo guy yourself i think you need to adopt this because <laughs> i don't know if we're ever seeing that dude again dude i, I mean I might, I might have
1: to <laughs> that's a funny way to look at it dude i just i remember If you've ever watched Lonzo, if you watched him in college at UCLA, he was incredible. The way he pushes the pace is amazing. The way he plays defense is amazing. He is like the ideal role player on any championship level team. Um, But could you put a top 10 pick on this team? Um, Could you keep most of this core around? Could you tank this year and throw in another maybe top eight pick to this team and maybe
0: be something? Um, I don't know. Well, their pick belongs to Orlando. Ooh, so what would they blow it up for it's top four protected so if they <laughs> get into the top four it's theirs if oh. they don't it goes to orlando so yeah. you're taking a risk of like if we throw this to the dirt we get to get Wemby, scoot you know nick smith jr or Amon thompson right but if i mean you suck anyway right now right so the picks going to orlando and they get a top 10 pick out of it yeah but if you really suck, at least you get to keep your own pick.
1: But what if you what if you can't catch up to the mat, or what if you can't catch up to the Pistons or the Spurs or the Rockets, right. and you get a fifth pick? Right, you know that's right. there, then, that's
0: very realistic. Very realistic. So it's kind of one of those things where you know I think for them trading away assets is a good thing because they fucked up the Orlando Magic trade so bad, mm-hmm. like Franz for Vucevic straight up horrible trade yeah but they also got Wendell Carter Jr. who's better than Vucevic straight up and they have this year like it was just a disaster for the Bulls so if you can recoup some assets from trading some players like Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, whatever and you make your team worse so you have a chance at keeping your own pick this year I wouldn't be mad about it if I'm a Bulls fan to be honest with you I really because the Bulls have just been middling that's all they've done they've just been middling so if you could maybe choose a direction, you always say, you've said this a ton on this podcast, the worst place to be is the middle. You got to choose a direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You do have to choose a direction. And the bulls are kind of set up to be an okay team for the rest of time. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just not what you want. You're right. Um, I, I'm not a believer that tanking would solve any problems. I think they would okay. tank and just not be able to catch up to the worst of the worst. Um, but you know, then it comes to okay, so you have to make trades that improve your team. Um, what do you do? Is Zach Levine worth getting rid of? Is DeMar DeRozan worth trading to a team that could contend? Um, I think when you talk about DeMar DeRozan, that style of basketball is playoff built. Um, you know, if you can get to the playoffs with DeMar DeRozan on your team, he can help you go farther. I mean, we saw in the Toronto days that he wasn't able to, but I mean that style of play.
0: The so mid-range this,
1: killer style of play.
0: I would have I would tend to agree with you, but I think a part of the mid-range killer, like guys like Kawhi and Kevin Durant, the underrated part of that is they can also shoot threes. Like Kawhi's a 39% shooter from 3, KD's goes above 40. Yeah. DeMar's not that guy. DeMar's like low 30s. So it's not like... DeMar's not a three-point shooter. That is true. But he's he's a he gets to the rim. Mm. DeMar, DeMar kind of stays in that middle. It's not like he pounds the rim over and over and over again. It's a lot of tough, like, contested twos that go in. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird balance with him. I think he's a valuable player, but I think his play style is so unique. He's kind of like Sabonis, where, yes, he's a valuable player but it's such a unique play style that you kind of have to work around it. Um, if if someone offered the Bulls right now, three unprotected picks for Zach Levine, no players coming back, just three unprotected picks, would you say yes? I don't think so. I would say yes so quick.
1: I think you need somebody coming back. Okay. Um, I think you need to have... Especially when you don't. have I mean, I don't know when you don't have your own pick. It's tricky. But I feel like as a franchise, you should have a guy that you go. This is our guy. You know, when we're good, when we're a good team, he's going to be the best guy on our team. Um, and Zach Levine seems like that, dude. I don't know. I don't know if you got three first round picks from a team that could give you top 10 picks. Maybe it's worth it.
0: How much, I, I know we've talked a little bit about this off pod or maybe even on pod, I forget, but just your belief in Patrick Williams, where does that, where does that bring you as a franchise? Like, let's say if you sell all your assets, right? You get DeMar, you get Vooch, you get Levine off the team. Are you comfortable just handing the keys to Patrick Williams and being like, it's time to focus on his development?
1: When I, so when Patrick Williams got drafted, the thing I saw from him was really, really good wing defense. Um, I saw a really big body, a really strong dude who looked like he understood how to guard wings pretty well, who looked like he could be the guy that locks up the best wing on the other team. Um, and then you saw offensive flashes for him that were just like gems. He'd hit threes pretty well. He could drive to the hoop pretty well. But obviously, he's not doing anything incredibly special right now. Right. Um, this is his third year. He's been very injured for the first two years. I think I could be interested in watching a season where IO and Kobe White and Patrick Williams lead the team and you ship off your best guys. But I don't think Patrick Williams would ever be, I think at best, he's maybe like the third or fourth best player on a good team.
0: I He'll feel never the same be way. the guy. Yeah. I feel the same way. There were flashes of like some baby Jalen Brown there for a little bit. Yes. But he's extremely fragile, super inconsistent and has no aggressiveness on the offensive end of the ball. So, mm-hmm. you know, the flashes we saw died quickly for me because there was so little consistency of it. But for me, like, if you have him on your team, and Io, who I think is a good player, and you just create a treasure chest of picks, I think it's interesting for Chicago because they're actually a desirable market, right? Mm-hmm. They're a huge market. They're going to get decent draft picks, at least for being bad, Right that mix of like, okay, you you're going to have probably a top seven pick every year because you're horrible. You have okay young talent and we're a desirable market. It's interesting to me. I think, it. I think that might be the way to go. I, I think personally. it could be,
1: I you know, I always like seeing Chicago do well, Chicago and yeah. New York are the two teams that you just kind of want to see doing really well. Um, they are a big market. Maybe you could pull a big star there. I'm. Yeah, you're right. It's it's a it's a definitely an avenue you could do it. I think the Dallas Mavericks should do everything they can to try to trade for Zach Levine.
0: Yes, um, that would be a perfect win-win trade.
1: Yeah, I th- I absolutely think so. I don't know what sort of assets the Mavs even have. I don't know what the Bulls would want. I don't know how you make that happen. But if you're Dallas, I think you have to do everything in your power to try to get him.
0: Yeah, because the way, yeah, we went over it, but the way they're playing is just not going to win games. And I think, you know, Levine next to Doncic would be a perfect fit, in my opinion.
1: Um, Levine in transition would be a great outlet guy. Absolutely. Uh, As another creator, yeah, it would be
0: a really, really good fit. So, yeah, the Bulls are an interesting spot right now. Hopefully, we see some clarity by, like, the All-Star game with them, because... Just the Alonzo, if Lonzo stayed healthy, we'd be talking completely different, but differently about this team. This would be a top four seed in the West, uh, East above Atlanta, and this team would be, like, fun to watch. Like, I haven't tuned into a bunch of these games this year because I don't really view them as, like, a contender or a team that can really, you know, surprise me with anything just because of the injuries they've had to deal with. Right. No,
1: I mean, that is where they're at. They're going to be Okay um perpetually with this team unhealthy. Um it's crazy how big of a, a tone shifter Lonzo is. This team goes from like, you know, middle of the pack at best to like one of the most entertaining teams in basketball, just adding Lonzo ball. I, I agree, but it's kind of crazy.
0: You you said it. He's literally the perfect role player. And put him next to Alex Caruso, like that's maybe the best defensive backcourt in the league. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense why he has such an impact, but yeah, you like a role player changes so much for this team. It's interesting. Um, But I think that's probably going to do it for us unless you have something else on your mind you want to put out there.
1: I've got nothing really Um, Celtics lost. And you Mm -hmm. know, I talked a little bit about just the mid range killing. And so I'll just talk about that just for a brief second before we go. Um, That's what's going to be the killer for the Celtics this regular season. It'll be interesting to see how what adjustments they make come playoff time, but we've seen now Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, and who was the last guy I'm forgetting? DeMar DeRozan. Those are all guys who can get to shots in the mid range and hit them pretty effectively, and they all scored buckets against the Celtics in Celtics losses. Um, that's what this defense is designed to do, to run you off the three-point line and get you into the deep twos and it's going to be interesting to see what they do against guys who can actually hit him.
0: Yeah, Rob's coming back very soon. So, we're going to see a probably a defensive shift for that team very soon. Uh, the Cavs are a unit. I want to drop some Cavs stuff before we go now. Um the Cavs are a unit. They beat the Magic last night. Yes, it's one of the five worst teams in the league, but it was really fun. Donovan Mitchell is unstoppable. It's fucking crazy how good he is at. I didn't know he was this guy. Maybe he took a step up from when he was on the Jazz to now. But every single night, expect 30 on good efficiency. Um, And I think, you know, Garland and Mobley playing off of him gets him such wide open shots and such great looks. Mobley's been really, really good as well the last, like, week and a half. So, yeah, I've just been super impressed with the Cavs. I think Cavs and Celtics are both very good teams.
1: Cavs are the number one defense in basketball right now. Um, it's it's unbelievable. Evan Mobley's incredible. Jared Allen's incredible. Donovan Mitchell is that guy. Um, I've been seeing that he's been going to Ohio high school basketball games. He brought Darius Garland and somebody else, one of the other Cavs members to like a high school game. How that's just awesome, man! It's cool to see him like fully embrace Cleveland and really love being there.
0: Yeah, you don't and see that very often. You really don't. And he did it in Utah, too. When he was first Absolutely. brought there, he would show up to random families, barbecues and stuff like that. He is the type of player that really buys in. And that makes me really happy. Like that makes me feel like in three years, I don't have to worry about free agency. Like he'll be right here. In Cleveland. Yes,
1: he's a dude you just want to root for. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that'll do it, though. I think this is just a good recap. Of what's going on in the NBA right now? I think we'll come back soon and give our thoughts on awards because we're about at the quarter point of the, the season. Uh but that'll do it for me. All right, peace. Peace.